Welcome to episode two. I thought I'd start you with some music that I grew up with um, as a kid in the 80s and the 90s. Um, And this episode, what we're going to talk about is kind of what got me to doing this podcast today Um, and a little bit about my childhood and what led me on to this health journey in the first place. Isn't it funny how you can take like a million different roads just to get to like the same destination? Um, there's a million different roads I probably could have taken to get here. Um, but I don't think that the easier ones would have brought me to a place where I wanted to share my story. Um, and that's part of it, right? The more that we struggle and the harder things are, the more we want to show other people, um, that it's possible, maybe take, you know, little detours that we didn't take, um, make sure that they do take some of them that we did take, All of that is part of our journey and wanting to share your journey with other people is awesome because they may think they're the only ones, you know, they may think that they were the only fat kids, that they were the fat, funny girlfriend, you know, and they never really had boyfriends, but they had tons of friends or that they were, you know, in the case of my sister, like she was always super thin and never really fit in my family um, because she was so thin. Everyone has their own struggles. And when I look around the world and I meet people and I ask them about their story, it's because I know that we all want to share. Um, We just think that nobody's going to get anything from it. So for me, I'm hoping people get something from it. And I'm just going to keep sharing until you tell me you're not getting anything from it anymore. So as far as how I started on this um, podcast, I've actually been writing a blog for a long time. Um, I tell a lot of my family stories to people that I meet um, for laughs. I find humor in healing. And so um, some of the stories that I tell people are like, oh my God, you went through that? Like, how can you laugh about that? And I'm like, it's, it's how I heal. I do not hold on to things that cause me negative pain that don't serve me in my current life. Um, It took me a long time to learn that. It took me a long time to realize like animosity and anger and just woe is me was never going to get me anywhere. So I just released it. So in writing my blog, I found closure and I found healing. And um, what I learned was that other people that were reading it that know me would say, when I read your blog, it sounds like you're talking to us. Um, And I realized I could just be talking, like I could just be telling these stories and I wouldn't have to spend hours and hours writing. What I didn't realize is with the podcast, there's learning how to edit it. Um, There's also like actually writing the script, which I have done, like I'm writing down what I want to say and then I'm going way off script Um, because there's so many thoughts that go on in her head. I wanted to kind of keep on a path, but I wanted to be free to say whatever I wanted to say. I wanted it to feel like a natural conversation. Um, so that's so that's what started the podcast. I bought a microphone um, and I just sat down and got to work. The other thing that brought on this is that I am recovering from COVID. This is my first time in the two and a half years. I was so excited. I dodged it. You know, I have done so many family vacations and I've done so much stuff through the last two and a half years. And I was like, my immune system is amazing. Um, and I just made a short trip out of town. And now I'm sitting locked into my daughter's room with pink castles and Barbie houses and stuffed animals all around me. And I started to think about my childhood. 
right? When you're sitting in your child's childhood, you can't help but reflect on your own childhood. So what I started thinking was, you know what? I definitely didn't have all of these material things. Like we were a family that was on public assistance. We were buying food and providing shelter. And that was like a complete struggle. We weren't the poorest kids, but I feel like as an adult, I can recognize that. But as a kid, you know, I just didn't have the Nikes I wanted and I didn't have a Jansport backpack. And, you know, we spent a lot of time going down to Kmart and paying $10 on our layaway. Mom would buy us like a couple few, you know, new outfits for school. And we would go down the day after school got out and we would pick out like three or four items. We would put them on layaway. And then every week we would go pay, you know, $10 on the layaway. And then as soon as school, like the day before school got out, we would pay off the layaway, hopefully if we could. And then we would then come back like a week later and she would like put the stuff for Christmas on layaway at Kmart. And we would again pay the $10 and just hope that we had enough money by the time either school started or Christmas was there to actually like get some items. So when you are living in a household where you have to make every dollar stretch well beyond its means, you get really creative with the food, right? Everyone has to eat. What we don't know is that everyone actually should be eating healthy. We just know that there's a certain amount of food that we are going to need to sustain us into the next day. And then we kind of just repeat the process our house, fresh fruits and vegetables were not always on the menu. Um, I was an average sized toddler. I carried around a little bit of baby fat, just like everybody else, but I was smaller than a lot of the members of my household. I am not a person that says that genetics don't matter because they sure as heck do. And for far too long, I let my genetics actually be my excuse. All the women in my family were heavy, except for a very few amount. And those ones we actually made fun of. As I said, we used to tell people all the time, like, you must have been adopted because your thighs are not the right size. The problem is, though, when we rely on saying, you know, it's part of our genetics, well, then that is becomes the excuse. And for me, I let it be my excuse for way too long. I had to change my way of thinking over time, and it definitely was not easy. I was much older once I realized it, and I came to a point where I had to look at myself and say, genetics didn't do this to you. You did this to yourself. So I actually had to face up to a lot of my own food choices, a lot of my own workout choices, um, a lot of decisions that I made in my life that were no part of genetics. Now, as a kid, we did eat a lot of processed foods. We hear it all the time, right? Healthy food is expensive and bad food, cheap. And we see it in the prices at like fast food restaurants. When I was a kid, believe it or not, McDonald's cheeseburgers were like 59 cents. You could get tacos, 69 cents. Couldn't get a salad and chicken for that price, or you couldn't get a lean ground beef. Like, I don't even know if we knew what lean ground beef meant. We definitely had no idea what ground turkey was because we only had turkey at Thanksgiving and Christmas. But in like the 80s and 90s, like my mom could get a bag of cheeseburgers and it would feed everybody. We would have even kids in the neighborhood could come over like she would get like 20 cheeseburgers. But and it would only be, you know, $10. But to get like chicken and salad, it would probably have been like $15. So processed foods were huge in my family, in my household. Foods that had a long shelf life. We would eat tons of rice and beans. Top ramen was like number one. We had pasta. Anything you can think of that she could make in bulk, 
and that we could eat over multiple meals. We basically had to live off of like a dollar to a dollar 25 per person per day on a grocery list. Now today, my grocery bill for my family of four is more like $8.50 per person per day. My dogs cost me $2 per day. Like I feed my dogs more quality food than we were able to eat as kids. And let me tell you though, I mean, I didn't not eat because my mom made damn good food. She made the best pork tacos. So she used to like take the corn shell and she would fry it in some lard, Mm-hmm. lard. She would fry that bad boy up. It would be in half. She put it on a paper towel, dap a little bit of that grease off. Not much, just a little. She would cook up that pork butt. She'd season it with some taco seasoning. She would put it in the bowl in the center of our table. And it'd be like this huge bowl of like steaming, wonderful smelling pork. Then she would add all of the sides. So we would do like We were not a big lettuce on our taco people. No, we don't get down like that. We would have like cheese and tomatoes, sour cream. Um, We would have some salsa and it would be sitting around the side and you would just fill it. Fill your taco, your greasy, wonderful taco shells with your meat and your cheese and whatever toppings that you loved. And she would serve it with a side of rice and beans. And those meals, they would probably happen a couple times a month, um, usually like right after we got like our, our food stamps. Those would be the good meals because the rest of the month we would eat more things like the top ramen and things like that. One of the other things she used to buy that I've never bought as an adult, is she would buy um, the log of ground beef right? So it's like five pounds of greasy goodness. You have no idea what the fat percentage is. Like that was never something that we looked at when we were kids, but she would buy this five pound thing of ground beef and she would make like hamburger helper, chili. She would make goulash. And for us, goulash was just like spaghetti. was fancy because it had elbow noodles instead of spaghetti noodles. And she would throw a can of like corn and peas in it. And to this day, it's like one of my favorite things. And I've seen like goulash advertised places. That is not what it is. But in my house, that's what goulash was. And it was delicious. So we would always eat more at home than we ever ate out. I recently had this conversation with my parents and I said, you know, when I was a kid, like we never went to restaurants. And one of my parents was like, um, yes, we did. And the other one was like, uh, no, we never took them anywhere. It was either the cheapest fast food option that was available or something that my mom had made. And I'm always amazed. So this is like a side note, because this always amazes me when I see kids going out to restaurants with their parents and they're like making their order. Like I never saw them have a discussion with their parents. And I'm like, whoa, how do you know how much money your parents have in their pockets? Because my parents never let us order anything. And they're like, I'll take a steak and some shrimp. And then they got the audacity to order a beverage other than water. My insides cringe. And then I laugh at myself. And I'm like, this is this isn't your you know, you're reverting back to your old childhood. I do let my daughter order her own food. We usually discuss it first and y'all, I even let her get a drink other than water. I'm a good mom. (laughs) So with all these carb and fat dense foods, you'd think I must've been on an athletic team to burn off all those calories. Well, you'd be wrong. I hated PE. I never wanted to run the mile or participate in any sort of sports of the class. 
Um, I did, however, I did like line dancing. That one was always fun. Um, I'm pretty sure that I had my period like three times a month. I would get out of class and having to dress out by writing my own notes and say, oh, you know, one is not feeling well. It's her time of the month. And I would sign it. I'm pretty sure the school didn't even know what my mom's signature looked like. However, when I was in junior high, I did join Color Guard. For those of you that don't know, I flipped a rifle, twirled a flag behind or in front of the marching band, and that probably helped me stay under 200 pounds in high school. So with a little activity and an awesome diet, I ended the 11th grade at about 160 pounds. Um, Most of the girls that year were maybe like 90s to 100 110 maybe. Um, and I was coming in at 160. Um, that summer though, I realized that all my friends were dating and I was like their funny fat sidekick, right? I'm the one that like holds the sweater while you go for a walk. I'm the one that like goes up to the guy and tells him that you like him because you can't do it. And I'm friends with everybody, but I'm not actually the girl that the guys want to kiss. You know what I'm saying? Um, at least none of the guys that I really wanted to kiss me. So that summer I joined a conditioning class in the, at the college in our town and I began to slim down. Um, I did running, I tried weightlifting. I did, um, I think I even took a step aerobics class. And what I learned was that I was strong. Like these calves that I have were built for amazing things. I have been walking on my tippy toes and running since I was born. So these calves were made to push things, pull things. They were made to do amazing things. What I also was able to do was that by the time I entered the 12th grade, I had lost about 20 pounds. So I was still at least 40 pounds heavier than my friends, um, if not 50, you know, but I felt good. I had spent a year working my tail off. I worked three jobs and then two of them, um, I would always work at the same time. So I worked at the mall and I would work like these three jobs and I was moving and I was active. I was now down like 25, 30 pounds. Um, But one of those jobs was at a bakery. Um, To this day, that bakery's cookies, muffins, and sandwiches are life. Like, I do not know how they ever went out of business because their food was phenomenal. And like I said, it's been like 25 years and I'm like, those are the best sandwiches and they made them on the squaw bread. It was delicious. So even while working at the bakery and having these jobs, I was able to maintain a pretty decent weight for for me. Um, I think I was probably wearing like a size 15 in a junior. Um, I don't even know what that translates to an adult. Um, I never got smaller. I never really got bigger. I kind of stayed in the same, same range, but I got me a boyfriend. Um, and I was going to prom, right? Cause it's senior year. And I went shopping for a dress and I was able to find a dress in this little downtown store and it was black lace and it had a uh, gold glitter underneath. And it was a size 11. And I was like, I am going to buy this dress. I've never had like a dress that was not in a plus size section. Like, and nobody really understood that because I was the biggest of our group of friends and I have amazing friends and they were so supportive. Nobody ever judged my weight. Nobody really ever talked about it. Um, But like, they also didn't understand. And so I was like, I'm going to buy that dress. And I worked my butt off to get in that dress. Um, And with the help of like a girdle, (laughs) I was able to wear it to prom. 
Um, and I see myself in those pictures. I have the pictures um, of me in that dress and the smile on my face. Like the feeling of being able to get into a dream dress. And can you take that in? Like you fit into the dress you dreamed you would. Now, the year before I went to prom with a friend and I wore the dress that fit, right? Um, the purple like Cinderella-ish shaped dress that kind of hid everything. This was skin tight. It was made of lace. It had gold glitter. It was like perfect. And I was so happy. So happy that when the evening ended and I had to take my girdle off so I could freaking breathe, I was still happy. I was still happy. And to be 18 years old and have to wear a girdle, like I don't think I even understood that until I started writing that down right now. So after prom, obviously I graduated and then came real life, right? We all think like the hardest time is when we're a kid and it is rough. Like your junior high years and your high school years, they're rough. You're learning, um, you're growing, your hormones are all over the place. Like everything is crazy. But then like for me, the hardest time was like in my 20s because that was a time that all those things were still happening. Like I was still learning. I was still growing. Only now I was like getting married and I was having to pay bills. Like I had to pay rents and I had to pay insurance and I had to pay car payments. And like, so I had to work a lot. So like six months after my graduation, I was living with my boyfriend at the time. We had an apartment. I had two full-time jobs because like you have all these responsibilities. I had zero social life and my weight had jumped up a lot. I was about 200 pounds. My boyfriend at the time, he like still loved me. He told me I was pretty, but like I felt miserable. I literally wore sweatpants and pajamas everywhere that wasn't work. I remember there was this night, it was like around Christmas time, and my cousins were like, hey, do you want to go look at the Christmas lights? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, do you want to go see? Let's go check out the Christmas lights. Like, we never do anything. You're always working. We should do this. And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, him hawing around, and I kept like dodging him. And he cornered me in the bedroom, and he's like, what is going on with you? Like, you're such a social person, and you would never say no before. Like, why are we not going to see the Christmas lights? And I just looked at him and I started crying. And I was like, I don't have any clothes that fit. Like, I'm living in sweats and pajamas right now. Like, I can't even get my pants over my thighs. And he looked at me and he said, that's okay. And he hugged me. And he's like, we'll just buy you some new clothes. I just wanted that like to sink in. Like, we'll just buy you some new clothes, right? There was a moment there where I should have been strong enough to say no, no new clothes. Maybe I should have looked at him and said, look, you run six miles a day. You go to the gym. Like, why can't you offer that to me? Why can't you offer doing that with me? Versus like, let's just buy some new clothes. But I wasn't that strong yet. And I wouldn't be for many, many more years. So life continued. We actually got married. We moved out of state. I played the good wife. I helped raise my husband because he still needed parenting. Hell, I still needed it. However, my parents taught us to figure it out or get lost in life. I'm not sure they meant to teach us that. By making us responsible for our own happiness and safety, that's what happened. We got pregnant after a while, but we lost our baby. 
our marriage fell apart and my weight just climbed. When I was 23, I was, I had found the best diet ever. It's called separation. My husband and I at the time separated. I moved in with some girlfriends from work or they moved in with me and we partied. We went to the bar every night. I would go to the bar every single night. I would dance my butt off until four in the morning. I would go through one of those drive through taco stands. I would either get a burrito or some roll tacos. I would eat them and then I would take a nap before I had to go to work. Then I would work full time. And when I got home, I would catch a little Z. I wouldn't really eat anything during the day. I would catch a little sleep. Um, and then I would repeat the process. And we did this for like over a month. Then I finally crashed from just pure exhaustion. Um, but at the end of that, I had lost like 30 pounds. But then when I finally came to my senses and got myself together, I stopped doing this every day. It just kind of creepily came back. I met a guy. We started dating. Happiness brings weight, so they say, if you let it. And I was happy. You know, I was the the happiest I could be in that moment. And so what I did was I gained, you know, another 30 pounds plus another 20 pounds. So now I was sitting at 250 pounds. I wasn't living up to my potential in education, in my work. I wasn't living up to my potential in my body. And I wasn't feeling good about myself. I uh, made the decision to move back to California, which is where my family was. It's a whole different world in California, right? Like everybody is tan and fit. (laughs) Everybody is doing, you know, tanning beds and they're going to the gym and you go to the bars and they have almost no clothing on. Now, that wasn't necessarily in my circle of friends because they didn't really go to the gym. It wasn't really a thing. They just were naturally thin people. And since I couldn't be that naturally thin person and I hadn't been introduced to the gym, I was just the funny friend. I became devoted to my friends and family and I'm a people pleaser. So I hung out with my friends and I watched their love lives flourish and their happiness grow. None of my girlfriends were really healthy. Um, As I said, they were just, you know, naturally thin. I don't think that their being their body type made them happy. Like, I don't think that those two are tied together. But when you're looking from the outside and you can't figure out why you're not happy, you have to tie it to something. And the one thing that we had that was so different from each other was our weight. Because I generally keep positive, loving, kind-hearted people in my life. And so I matched them there, right? I matched for match. Our jobs were fine. You know, we matched on the jobs. What we didn't match on was that our physical appearances. So that meant that their happiness was tied to that in my head. It would take me years to figure out that it was not, that that was not how it worked. It was, you know, their genetics kept them in a size two pants while mine kept me in a size 24. Also not the truth. Their happiness was not tied to their weight. My happiness shouldn't be tied to my weight. Those are the things that I would have to learn later on in life. But now I was 24. I was overweight. I was started over living with my parents. I was partying all the time. I worked because, you know, there was never another option than that. I had a good job. I excelled at my job. I started out as the receptionist. I answered the phones. Three years later, I was a supervisor. I met a man. I later married him. He loves me at all of my sizes. He once asked, uh, he was once asked, what does he love the most about me? And he said, my heart. That's when I knew that he was the guy for me. He was the guy for my whole life. Because all I ever wanted people to recognize is the amount of love that I put in something. 
which is really good that I decided at that moment that we were going to be together forever because that question was actually asked at my bridal shower. When we got married in 2009, we were both the largest we had ever been. I was already over 260 pounds. I was happy. He made me happy, but I still wasn't healthy. I was fine though. I had everything I'd ever wanted. I had a home. I had a husband. I had an amazing stepson. We had two dogs. The truth in that moment is that I had no idea what I was missing. I tell people all the time, every photo that I'm in, there's a smile. It's not fake. That fat girl was happy. She just didn't know how much happier she could be until she stepped out of her comfort zone and actually lived a little. I would just still take a couple of years to figure that out. My weight has been here since day one. My heart has always been this big. My smile is never fake. My love for life and the people in it are very genuine. The things the younger me had to live through are what made me strong enough for what the older me continues to strive to do. Working out and eating right are so easy compared to some of the horrible things that I've gone through in my life. I will try to share some of them as we go along in lessons that I've learned over time. I mostly wanted to share with you my basic credentials. I may be able to run a 10K or ride a bike 100 miles, but there was a time I lived in sweatpants and pajamas because they were all that fit. That I spent part of my life eating rolled tacos after a a night of drinking and dancing all night at a bar. I'm no better than anyone. I have been where you are. I just took little steps to make changes for the better. And that's kind of what I wanted everyone to know. Like, I am hoping that you're taking from this just in what is genuinely being offered. Some stories about my life that you might connect with um, that might tell you why I'm a fit, fat chick. (laughs) But at the end of every one of these conversations, I also want to end with something very important that I've learned over time from my friend, Bruce Pitcher, that you should spend your time in gratitude. So today I wanted to share my gratitude. That gratitude is for my husband, John. Without him, I may have never even started this health journey. I may have never gone on that first bike ride. And that story will come up in a future episode. So thank you, John. And I hope you guys each spend time today sharing your gratitude, either in a journal, out loud, on a post, message me, email me, just make sure that you recognize there are so many things to be grateful for in this world. Thanks guys for spending some time with me today. I hope you come back and listen to episode three.